Shane Finn, welcome to the podcast. How are you getting on, man? Not bad, sir. Not bad. How are you? Air, yeah, great time. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, now, look, Shane, I suppose myself, I'd be very familiar with your journey and all your achievements up to date. It's definitely something I've been keeping track of, I'd say, for a good year and a half now at this stage. I remember I, I listened to you, I think it was on the Brian Keane podcast a while back, and I was saying, yeah. God, that's immense. And that was even before you did the American Ultra. But I mean, for those who wouldn't actually know you, would you be able to give a little bit of background of just about what you do day to day and I suppose why I'd have you on as, as such a guest, I think is, um, I suppose, who would have achieved so much to this date? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, okay, I suppose the case, I'll make a long story short. Um, so, again, I'm 27 years old. I'm from a, a lovely little town called Dingle in West Kerry that some people might be familiar with. Um, I'm an endurance athlete. I suppose I'm a runner at heart. I love being outdoors. I love endurance. I love training. Um, I suppose my own background in fitness was I had my own fitness facility for nearly six and a half years. Uh, with my business partner Mark here in Dingle um, recently just stepped away from that which obviously is a bit of a change um, I ran my first marathon when I was just turned 18 so too young <laughs> and uh, it was my first I suppose real thing time doing anything kind of mad like that before you know again typical typically young young lad in rural Ireland um, played Gaelic football and that was it literally no other sports um, and I just decided one day to, to run a marathon and uh, I suppose the, the decision to run that marathon came uh, to maybe give, give a little bit of help to my, uh, to my cousin Mary. My cousin Mary lives with a condition called spina bifida. So, um, you know, life is, life is fairly difficult for my cousin Mary. And uh, I decided at 18 years old, I was going to try and make a little bit of a difference anyways, if I could. And uh, off I went and to, to run a marathon. Now, to say I was underprepared for my first marathon would be an uh, 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 exaggeration, to be honest. I was completely not prepared. I almost died doing my first marathon like it was very bad. <laughs> but uh, hung, hung on in there, got it done. And uh, no pun intended, I haven't really stopped running since. Um, you know, I carried on. In 2014, I ran from Dublin to Dingle. Uh, in 2017, I ran around Ireland doing 24 marathons in 24 days. And about a month and a half ago, I finished uh, biking and running across America in 36 days. So, um, so you've done again, a lot. Again, on the name, done a lot in the last couple of years just to try, I suppose, to help people um, to raise as much money as I could for the organization. And I suppose through my own my own fitness stuff, which I've carried on too, I just, I just like helping people, whether it's through the charity, whether it's through helping people get a little bit fitter, helping people lose a little bit of weight, getting people comfortable in the gym, teaching people how to run. Um, I just enjoy helping people. And I think when somebody asks me what I do, I think I, I, uh, I reply by I, I like helping people. You know, I think it's a pretty cool job. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose you're a few weeks out from just after running from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Brooklyn Bridge, which is a phenomenal yeah. achievement. I, I think it's over, is it about 5,000 kilometers there, thereabouts? Just over it, yeah, just over so, it. So when you decided to do a journey like that, I mean, how do you like look at that distance and kind of break it down and figure out how you were going to do it? I know you biked some days and you, you would have ran other days, but I mean, how did you structure the journey and, and did it really go to plan in the end? Um, to be honest, I've noticed a bit of a trend and none of these things happen to go to action for me. <laughs> There's always things that go uh, wrong and stuff like that. But yeah. um, no, look, it, it was a great experience. I loved absolutely every minute of it. Um, it was extremely tough. I mean, when you compare the 24 marathons and, and crossing America, there, there, was no, there was no comparison. I mean, uh, the 24 marathons was like going into first year in school and that was like doing my uh my masters like there was there was no comparison it was a lot tougher and um, with the with the breakdown um i actually cycled for four days and um, i'd cycle anywhere from kind of around the 250 kilometer mark 
um, and then I'd run for two days. So the two days running would be uh, about 50 or 60 kilometers as well. So it was fairly full on for the, for the 36 days. Now we did get completely snowed in for a day in the Rockies, yeah. which, you know, was a bit of a blessing in disguise, but it was also a bit of a disaster because we had zero rest days planned. Um, so I was struggling with a little bit of an injury, which my Achilles, um, and it gave it a little bit of a, a break. However, I also woke up the next morning 300 kilometers behind where I was meant to be. Um, so you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul when you have to, when we were literally forced by Mother Nature to take a day off. Um, but you know, it, look, it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, America is an awesome place. It's uh, it's big. It's unforgiving. Um, it's it's their people over there are, are fantastic. They're friendly. But um, yeah, there's there's certain places I won't be rushing back to again. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I'd say it was a serious journey. Um, and like you know, you know, when you're breaking down a journey like that, and obviously it it, it was a massive feat to do. Was there any particular things you were worried about in the preparation? Like, I mean, I, it's not something you can really prepare for. Like, you know, when you think of, say, running a marathon and you have that yeah. distance, which is quite a long distance, to break down the training and figure out how many miles a week you need to do is quite easy. But how were you actually preparing for a journey like that, which was so many days and huge amounts of mileage each day? Yeah, I think the main thing for me was I, I, I'm, a, I'm terrible at overcomplicating things. <laughs> so I overcomplicate a lot of things in my, even in my own life and business and training, everything. I always look into the tiny details. But I had to completely switch my mindset about a year ago when I started to think about this and prepare for it. Because to be honest, I would have driven myself demented. Um, you know, so basically what I did was from everything, from my nutrition to my training to the planning, I said, look, I'm going to keep everything as simple as possible. Um, and I think that's a, th a thing that, you know what, I've been thinking about it since even finishing Crossing America. I was like, you know what, I think we need to simplify a lot of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, for example, you know, people looking at training for the first time, they overcomplicate it. They worry about the small little details when, in fact, you're better off just to focus what you can focus on and control the controllables. Um, so that's the, that's the mindset I kind of took going into it. And I mean, yeah, look, things went wrong and we, we, we messed up a couple of things here and there, but you kind of just adapt as you go, you know, and we figure things out along the way. I think it's more of an Irish thing, kind of, yeah, we go at it and we'll figure it out as we go. Um, there was definitely an element of that to it. However, it wasn't the whole, you know, so, I mean, from a training perspective, um, I trained hard, I trained very hard, I trained very consistently. I, I basically shut my life down for six months beforehand and just trained um, and slept and ate well and stuff like that, you know. So a lot of the times I was just trying to build up as much volume as I could, but to also remain injury free. I think that was a real priority for me going into this thing was to stay injury free. Um, and if I, if, if I got to the Golden Gate Bridge without an actual pre-existing or niggling injury I think I, I, would, I would give myself a massive chance and I did that um, now you always get injuries in these things I mean you always pick up little things here and there and it's about when, it's about when they come and how you manage them um, that, I suppose that's, a, that's another aspect of the whole thing but like I think you're breaking something like this down it's similar enough to, to any, any big goal something you're trying to achieve you just break it down into small steps and take it day by day you know and I knew if I kept going if I knew if I kept moving forward that America would run out of land um, but in, in order for that to happen, um, I had to keep moving. And if I stopped at any time, you know, I wasn't making progress. So, you know, I was always moving, even at times where I felt very unwell and I just didn't like, for example, if I was 50K into an ultramarathon and I was feeling off and I was feeling unwell, I felt sick, I would just keep moving. And just keep, even if I had to walk, I'd keep walking. Um, days on the bike where I felt like not great, I would just keep spinning the legs and keep getting ticking kilometers off, you know, because every kilometer completed was a kilometer and bringing me closer to, well, not home, but to, to the Brooklyn Bridge, you know. 
Yeah, and I, I suppose it's a long time kind of where you're kind of alone and to yourself. So, like, when you're running or when you were biking, like, were you listening to anything, like, on, on a phone or, like, you know, like, say, I don't know, podcasts or music? Yeah. Or are you li- is it literally just you and yourself there and you're just tipping away in your own head? Yeah, um, I, a mix. It's a mix, really. So, I, I, a lot of days I would listen to podcasts. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Um, yeah. So, I'd listen to a lot of audiobooks on Audible and stuff like that. Um, yeah, a lot of music as well. The music would have kept me going on, on occasion and stuff too. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, what I, what I do is I have music that I associate with certain feelings and emotions and times. And that, that I think everybody does really. But that's, uh, that, I use that as a, as a tool, you know, certain songs that remind me of certain things. And one particular song, I remember to, listening to one particular song around Christmas week in between Christmas and, and, and January and I was out on like a, a marathon training run on like a Sunday morning and it was just windy it was wet it was dark until like nine o'clock I've been running six six and I was like you know what this is the this is the kind of session now that'll, that'll, that'll stand to me when I'm in America and, and whatever song I was listening to at that time that that moment came it was a huge it was a big song for me when I was over in America and I remember this is the song I was listening to when I was struggling through that that run at home in, in preparation for this, you know. So, um, and as well, there were, there were times where I just listened to nothing. I just listened to myself, but they're dangerous times because I start thinking weird shit. I mean, like other things I can do and stuff, you know. So I'm better off keeping my mind stimulated and not to listen to my own thoughts for as long as I can. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like just in just to pass the time, you know, and I would listen to mainly kind of, uh, kind of business stuff, fitness stuff, um, endurance things, obviously, as well, you know, and uh, just keep it varied, try to keep the mind stimulated, you know, keep the, keep the, uh, keep the miles sticking away. Yeah, no, geez, I, I can't even imagine it. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a 40 minute gym session and I'll be switching songs every two minutes and losing my yeah. mind if it's <laughs> the wrong tempo, never mind yeah. many kilometers in a day. Um, and I, I, I suppose, obviously, it's not something you can do on your own. So, what kind of team did you actually have to bring over to do the American Ultra? Yeah, so again, you know, I, I say it all the time that we did this, you know, I, I didn't do anything, to be honest. I mean, I, yeah, I did the work on the road, uh, but it was, look, there's, there's a whole team involved in these kind of things. It's um, it's obviously the, the main the main, the main, main man of the crew really was my dad, you know, and to be honest, I, my, my dad is, uh, I suppose, he's probably my biggest fan. He's my biggest, he's my harshest critic as well, you know, because uh, he's, uh, he's definitely a guy I wanted to have there with me. Um, so my dad had a, a couple of issues with his hips and his shoulders, from years of, of plastering and working and I wasn't sure if he was actually going to be able to go. Um, but to be honest, and I don't say this lightly, if he couldn't have gone, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I would have waited until he was ready as well to do it. Um, so he was a, he was a big, um, a big part of it, you know, and then obviously my, my physio Ali was, was hugely important member of the team too. And she, after my dad, she was the second person I approached about the idea, you know, and she committed and my dad committed and, and, and sure then really I was I was gone like you know so um obviously we had a we had a guy here as well like a, a local lad Dingle Anthony McGovern he uh he just left Dingle and just came and just drove one of the camper vans across the whole of America for us like on off his own bat as a volunteer you know so it, like it was and we had the film crew and another another volunteer from the charity as well so it was a phenomenal experience and like like I said again you know there were long days, like the crew would be up at, I'd be starting at seven, maybe up waking up at six. The crew would be up 20 minutes before me, um, you know, cooking, getting, grinding coffee beans. And I'd be gone to bed at nine, half nine, and they'd still be up like washing clothes, like cleaning things and getting ready again, looking at the maps for the next day. So they went through just as much as a, of a long, of a long month as I did, you know. So um, it's definitely, you know, you can do these things solo and you can do, big adventures like that on your own but for me it was really important to have the team there you know 
Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that you had your dad involved and you obviously have people that are close to you because I think, especially when you're away from home and you're putting in that much mileage and you're probably exhausted, you kind of need familiar faces and people to lift you up a bit and keep you going. Yeah, yeah. Like, there were times there, like, you know, there were times, you know, and we'd, we'd have a very, myself and dad, we'd, be, we'd always have great crack with each other, you know, and, like, there were times where I might be, like, down a bit and stuff like that and he'd just say, like, look, you just shut up and come on, like, kind of a thing. But there'd also be times where I'm really suffering and, and, you know, he'd know what to say at the right time and he'd kind of tell everybody else, look, just leave him alone. And, and you know, like, so he, he kind of knows the story, you know. So, But he'd yeah. also, there'd be times then where I'd be struggling or I'd be not maybe in a, in a very good place and he'd just make me laugh or he'd remind me of something or something like that, you know. So he, he knew what to say at the right times and things like that as well, you know. So it's an interesting dynamic, but like, I was very, very lucky for him to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I'm always fascinated with kind of ultra athletes like yourself, and I mean, I, I think of other guys like, say, Ross Edgley, who would have swam around all of Great Britain. Yeah, and like one yeah. Of the Ross, things, Ross is a beast. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute monster. Like, But for his journey, I suppose one of the things I found crazy was the amount of food he had to intake every day just to keep himself going. Yeah. And even then, so like, I suppose even then he was still running up a massive bill on his on his body, like, and it's the case where you'd yeah. be absolutely exhausted. So from your own perspective, I, I kind of laughed earlier when you said, oh, I just ate well. And it, it's kind of the Irish thing of like, you know, some people would really, really focus on the nutrition and go into the deep, dark depths of the details. But I mean, how did you structure your plan for this? Because obviously you're going in camper vans is the case. You're probably like using a serious amount of energy every day. How did you structure yeah. your nutrition calorie wise and everything else to keep yourself going? Did you have certain preferences or? Yeah, it it was tough. It, the nutrition side of things was, was tough and it always is difficult. And it's funny you say that. I actually remember uh, following Ross as well. And I was just more perplexed. Like, obviously, I knew the guy was going to do it. And, like, cause he's, a, he's just mentally and physically he was in, in phenomenal shape. Um, but, like, he was just getting so much food and it was phenomenal. I was like, wow, I'm going to have to eat something similar to that. I was like, that's a lot of food in the day, you know. And yeah. I mean, it's different. So like, again, I know it sounds funny and it might be very typical Irish, but I did try to keep it as simple as I could. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very simplistic guy when it comes to endurance nutrition. I like to keep things simple. Um, I think we overcomplicate a lot of things, as I said. Um, you know, I eat just really, really fresh. I'm, I'm, I don't follow any particular diet. And uh, if there was, a, I suppose, a concept that I would follow um, for my endurance training, my endurance nutrition would be more of a fat adapted lifestyle. Um, so basically, you know, I train fast in the morning, I would consume my carbs post training rather than pre training. Um, and that's, I suppose that would confuse a lot of people, you know, and again, typical Ireland, you go out for a two hour, three hour run in the morning without anything eating and your mother's like saying prayers, like, oh, Jesus is going to die out in the road, like he hasn't eaten a thing, like, you know. Um, so it's just to explain to them that, no, look, I'm actually fine. I have a load of energy in my body to sustain me for this run and I'll eat when I come back. And, you know, it's, uh, it's I suppose we've just been educated and, and maybe uh, I could go as far as saying misinformed about a lot of things over the last 10 or 15 years, maybe. Uh, I even remember starting out, like, doing one marathon with, like, eight gels and all this kind of stuff. And at the end, when you break all those things down, at the end of the day, they're just sugar. You know, and uh, I didn't really want to be fueling myself on sugar for, for my whole life. I mean, I'm only in my late 20s. Um, and I, the amount of sugar that I was consuming in one day in training, like for even the 12 marathons and the 24, was, uh, it, was quite, it was quite mad, really, to be honest. You know, and I knew it wasn't healthy long term. So uh, I think post-24 marathons, I, I met with a guy called Barry Murray. Um, Barry actually is probably one of the best sports endurance nutritionists out there in the moment. He does a lot of consulting with Tour de France teams, uh, Olympic athletes, stuff like that. And he living, used to live in Wicklow. Um, so just reach out to the guy and he was like, oh yeah, I heard you before. 
I'm actually moving to Dingle next week. I was like, wow, what are the chances of that? Um, so <clears throat> Seth and Barry hooked up. We started training together. He started teaching me a lot of stuff. Like, and this guy now has a degree in chemistry, degree in exercise and nutrition. Like, he, he's a very, very smart guy. Um, so I started following and implementing things, on a, I suppose, on a kind of a, a staggered basis, you know, and I started to see some, some, some differences. My energy was a lot better. Um, you know, I cut out all the, the supplements and the gels and the noons and the, the goos and all that kind of stuff uh, and just really stripped it back. You know, I was like, would my, you know, would, would, would people 25, 30 years ago have all these kind of external things, you know, and they didn't. And quite often people... 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago were a lot healthier, you know, and they looked a lot fitter and a lot stronger. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm not trying to go back to that, but I am trying to keep things a little bit simple. Um, and I knew when I ate well and ate really, really clean that I felt really well and I slept better. My, my, you know, I was lean. I was had plenty of energy and stuff like that. And I was like, well, why am I trying to add all these extra things in when I possibly don't even need them? Now, with switch it back to last July again I do some Ironman triathlons and stuff as well I did an Ironman triathlon last July with, with like with a very minimal breakfast of, of eggs and some avocado no gels no electrolyte tablets nothing and I still did quite well you know I still got kind of the top 10% overall so it just goes to show that you don't need all the fancy stuff um, you just need to kind of I suppose and it's a conversation I had with somebody yesterday was asking me what should I take during the marathon and I think it's actually more important than what you take when you're not doing the marathon or we're not working out for that one hour or you know you don't need the BCAAs that you pay 40 bucks for to bring to gym with you you're actually probably more better off or you're probably better off you know looking at what you're eating in the other 23 hours a day that you're not in the gym or obviously you're not awake 23 hours but you know what I'm saying so yeah um, yeah for me like we, we I had a calorie target in America of about 8,000 a day which is a, a, a obviously nice. quite a large number yeah, it's quite a high number. So, I mean, some days I hit it, some days I didn't. You know, it was difficult. I found the days I ran, I harder to hit because I couldn't consume as much in the morning because the, the food would be jumping around my tummy. Yeah. And the days on the bike, I could hit my calorie target pretty easily and actually exceed it sometimes, which is great. I mean, breakfast would be something like uh, eggs, avocado, uh, maybe a smoothie and a good coffee. And then lunch, if I was on the bike, would be another like six egg omelette with you know, butter and, and veg and ham and all that kind of stuff and a good coffee again. And then dinner usually was um, like a steak or, or burgers or, or chicken or something like that. And again, more more carbohydrates in with that in the form of kind of potatoes or even chips or something like that and tons of veg. And then I'd maybe get another smoothie in later on or a protein shake or and then you have a cup of tea and some Oreos or something like that or uh, a couple of protein bars. And I mean, this company here in Kerry called Origin made actual specific bars for me. To the actual macronutrients that I needed, which was really cool, um, oh, and uh, yeah, they were pretty handy. And they were obviously very grateful for that too. So they were they were great to have as well, you know. And um, yeah, basically, I was I was I was thinking about it, you know. I was training. I was like, oh, I'm doing these huge training days, you know, holding my weight and stuff like that. I was like, this is great. And I was like, this is just going to turn into a huge eating competition. It's got nothing to do with running or cycling, but uh, no, it was uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot of things. But um. Yeah, a lot of things that I suppose I wouldn't recommend for everybody to eat like that. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, definitely worked out well for me. I think that's the, the main principle thing to take away from. The way, you know, if somebody could do that exact same thing next year or the year after and push themselves across America, but they might have a completely different diet and a completely different way of eating, and that might work really well for them, you know? So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's whatever works best for you, and we need to take time to figure that out. There is no one perfect diet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose, look, I mean, I, I just think it's amazing kind of, I suppose, you 
going say from doing something as simple as well not simple but i mean something like as straightforward as the dingle marathon to doing 12 marathons in 12 days then doing 24 marathons in 24 days to then this just literally running straight across america so you're obviously yeah. a goal-driven guy and i mean i know you've done stuff like you've you've done tv appearances your documentary was on rte i mean there's a hell of a lot you've done so far today and you're still a pretty young guy but I mean, is it the case that you always have to have a goal going forward? Are you always constantly thinking like future tense of what's the next goal once you finish up something like the American Ultra? Or are you going to take a bit of time now to just enjoy a bit of training and set your sights on the next thing down the line? Yeah, I suppose I, I'd be pretty. So I, I'm very, I'm always very forward in what I want to do and things like that, you know, and I, I, I'll always be until the day I die, I think I'll always be doing something, you know what I mean? I'll never yeah. be too idle. Now, again, on day 36, crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, I wanted to throw my bike off the bridge along with my running shoes and never, ever bike or run again. However, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as, a, as a, you know, the week after, you know, settle down, you start putting a bit of weight back on, and you know, you're starting to sleep a bit better and things like that. And you're, you're like, you know, I, I always trying to, like, that's why I use the hashtag pushing limits. And I mean, like, we all have limits and everybody has different limits and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to encourage people to push them out a little bit. Um, you know, so again, I suppose I had this great big goal of crossing America. And like, I now know that that's no longer my limit. Do you know what I mean? My, the bar yeah. is now set higher. Um, so look, I, I suppose I'm always, I always have things planned, you know, I, I I mean, I'm just really enjoying like being at home now and training and doing a bit of work. I mean, I'm developing an app. I'm going possibly writing a book. And I mean, I'm, they're, they're my next challenges, I guess, really, you know. Um, and like I said, I, th- I, just, I, think, I think I'll continue just trying to help people as best I can, you know. Um, and that, that'll, be a, that'll be a challenge in itself. But with regards to endurance challenges, um, nothing major coming up, to be honest, for the next couple of years. I mean, I, I have so much other kind of projects I want to get myself stuck into, um, work stuff, um, you know, uh, even personal stuff, you know, like, I kind of, like, I want to apply for a master's, but over the last kind of two or three years, I just never had the actual physical time I've been able to apply myself to do it. And um, yeah. so, you know, something, something like that could be my next challenge. That's kind of my mindset at the moment, but, uh, no, I, I won't obviously put the ultra stuff to bed yet, but I'll, uh, I'll next time, anything that ever comes into my mind, it'll be a good while away. Um, and it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll definitely be a big one, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I'll have to wait until the time is right and stuff as well, you know? Oh, absolutely. You'll be well rested at that stage. So hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I suppose from your own perspective, Obviously, I, I, I love the fact that your ethos is more around like helping people and helping your family and being able to do it through what you love, like exercise and ultra running and biking is a fantastic thing. But I mean, outside of that, what would you say is the best thing you've gotten from this journey so far? I mean, like you, you definitely have the notoriety. You definitely have, I suppose, the platform to be able to speak and inspire people and, you know, I suppose, give people the chance to, I don't know. I suppose, get themselves going and motivate them in that direction of fitness and a fitness lifestyle. But I mean, what's your favorite thing so far that you've been able to achieve just through all these outside of the charity and outside of obviously having a great effect on your own family? Yeah, I think two things really always pop to mind when I get asked this question. And one kind of slides into what you said, not to get it into, but I mean, the, the one thing for me really is since I started this stuff is how lucky I am to actually have my own health. And I think that's, that's, that's number one. And I, I, people like might, might giggle at it or whatever, but I'm not even like, I, I genuinely wake up every morning and I say, thank you. Like this is another day I can get up and do what I love. Um, it's another day I can get up myself out of bed and make my own coffee and go to Dingle or go for a run or bring the dog for a walk or listen to an audio book or something like that. And some people can't do that. And some people don't have that, I suppose, um, that gift, you know, and some people have, 
far bigger challenges than I do um, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a very grateful for my health and being able to do what I do. And I never for once will ever take it for granted. Um, I think the second thing would be that, you know, I suppose it's hard for like people. I'd be, I, I think I'm a quite a modest person. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, like what you did was amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks very much. All right, like, look. But I think, you know, I face the exact same challenges everybody else does. Um, I mean, we look at, we say, we take a lady look, hoping to do her first park run and she might have never done a park run before. Like the, the anxiety that lady feels the night before, the morning of, you know, on the start line, things like that. And she she doubts herself just as much as I doubt myself on, on day 20 trying to cross America or get out of the Rocky Mountains, you know what I mean? So I, I deal with the exact same, I suppose, conflicts in my brain. I suppose I deal with the exact same self-doubt that people deal with. And I just, I suppose, you know, I'm just the same as everybody else at the end of the day. So whether it's crossing America or trying to run your first double marathon or trying to lose your first 10 pounds, I'm just the same as everybody else, but I suppose I'm I'm just I'm just getting used to it now. I just kind of embrace it a bit, and um, yeah. and I suppose I suppose to, to to conclude out of that then would be just to, you know I think I, I was I was down in Yall for the weekend at the at the Ironman triathlon down in Cork, and I wasn't competing, but I knew a lot of people competing, and um, I was on Windmill Hill, and if anybody is familiar with Yall, I thought Dingle was hilly, but wow, this hill is like a 21% incline for 400 yeah, meters. That's crazy. I I saw the videos of everyone on the bikes, and I was saying, God, that looks like some slog. It's it's a beast. I mean, I saw people falling off, people rolling backwards. Like this was pandemonium, you know. And I it just it was pouring rain. It was windy, and there was this lady walking up the hill with her bike, you know. And I, she just was head down. She was happy out, pushing away. And I just leaned over and I said, "Look, well done. Keep it going. You're nearly there." And she just turned. She just smiled at me, and she said, "What she said was, she said I absolutely love this shit." And she was just laughing away, like you know, and. I turned as she passed her bib said that she was in the 60 to 65 age category and I was like you know what I said when I'm when I'm when I'm in my 60 to 65 age category I said I want to be smiling going up windmill hill as well you know so I, I I'm actually still thinking about that moment you know and the thing is that that she got just a big a cheer as Alistair Brownlee the two-time Olympic champion got going up there you know so we're all in the same boat and we're all trying to do good things and we're all just trying to better each other. And I don't think anybody's better than anybody. Um, so it's important not to put people up on pedestals and tell people, tell yourself how great other people are when you need to look yourself in the mirror and, and, and tell yourself that you're great as well sometimes. And not, not in a kind of a cocky way, really, you know, just in a, in a self-confidence style fashion, I guess, you know. So I think, uh, I, think I, I mean, I probably have 10 things I've learned, but they're, they're definitely the, the main two, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I, I suppose, Jeff, I suppose it's such a, a steep learning curve. There's probably so much that goes on, even just going through experiences like that. That it's probably hard to, um, I suppose, establish what everything would be. But um, one other thing, I suppose, I was very curious to ask you was, say, if you have, I suppose, you probably do come across people like it, but people who've just never ran before or running is never yeah. their background. Would you have any tips for people to say who just want to get started? Because I mean, I know myself, I would have ran around rugby pitch and everything else when I was a teenager. But I mean, in terms of actually getting out and going for a run, I've always had a mental block yeah. of even being able to do it. It just seems I'm, I'm inside my own head. So what would you recommend for people who just want to get started out, even if it's a fun run, a 5K, whatever it might be? Yeah, I think I think the main thing really is is not not to put too much pressure on yourself, okay? I know that sounds like a simple thing to say, but a lot of us put a lot of pressure. A lot of the main pressure that comes from people when they're trying to start these kind of things is not it's not external or it's not social from anybody else. It's from yourself. You know what I mean? So if you could just just you know prioritize enjoying it, I think is number one. 
Yeah. Um, now, again, a lot of times you'll say, I couldn't think of anything worse than going out running for five kilometers. Well, you know, if you could just switch off that negative side of your brain for a second and say, okay, it might suck for 20 minutes or 25 or 40 minutes when I'm doing it, but I'm going to feel better afterwards. It's a little bit of time off. It's a little bit of headspace myself. And you know what? I might do it a minute quicker next week or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just, just to take that first step, get out the door when you're struggling and when you're in the moment, take the next step to the best of your ability and then take the next step to the best of your ability and break it down into little goals. If you're doing a 5K fun run, that's just five 1Ks. You know what I mean? That's just a thousand meters five times. It's not that bad. Um, so when you can get there, you know, you, you, you'll be able to get it done. And I suppose it's, it's, it's to try and enjoy it as best you can as well, you know. And like I said, if there's 150 people or 200 people there, everybody just trying to get to that finish line. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not everybody. It's not, you know, you're not against anybody. You're just against the, an older version of yourself. And when you do get to that finish line, um, I suppose it's, you know, you're like an onion. You'll have found another layer and you'll have found another, another way, another way to, to, to push on and, and to try, I suppose, to get to that next level. And that next level is different for everybody, you know? Um, and that's the way I, I try, I try and get it across to people that, you know, um, just do your best and, and that's it, you know, give yourself an honest effort and you'll, you'll get to where you want to go, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And would you think a lot of people get caught up on, I suppose, the idea of having to have, say, I, I know having the right gear is always important, but one of the things I always find is, like, would you think it's as simple as just having a good pair of running shoes and just shorts and a top, whatever, and just being able to get out there? Or do you think people kind of overcomplicate it looking at, oh, I need to have all the right gear for all the right weather. I need to have the gels and everything else from the get-go. I mean, do you think it's just the case that people need to maybe tear it back a little and just say, look, I'll get out, I'll go for a run, I'll go as far as I'll go, and then we'll try and improve the next week? Absolutely, 100%. I think running is probably the cheapest sport in the world. I mean, all you literally need is a pair of running shoes. You don't, you don't need permission, you don't need a membership, you don't need anything. You just need a pair of shoes, literally. And look, I'm not trying to be smart or funny, but there's people in, in certain continents that, that don't even have those. <laughs> the things that I, I, the only after barrier of entry is, is a pair of shoes and some people don't have them and that doesn't stop them. You know what I mean? So get, get your shoes on, get out the door and, and close that door behind you and you'll be back. You'll be back soon kind of a thing, you know? Um, you don't need all the fancy kit. You just need to get out there. All you need is uh, a pair of shoes and, and a small a little bit a little ounce of determination and, and, and that's that's literally it I mean you can worry about the external stuff and the you can worry about all the extra little gadgets and gizmos and the extra bits of kit when the time comes um, but just for sheer enjoyment just get out enjoy it and um, yeah just be just be happy to be outside Absolutely I, I think that's a great way to put it uh, so look man I, I suppose before we finish up do you have any upcoming events you want to plug or anything going on yourself or is it the case you're just taking a bit of downtime um yeah i'm not really i suppose i'm just taking a bit of downtime really i'm just just enjoying like doing doing things like this like chatting to you here shane and stuff you know and uh just just enjoy and just enjoying life man working out i was saying developing an app at the moment so that'll be pretty cool i'm excited to have that to, to roll that out and to be able to help more people again um obviously the book i have no idea when the book will be out <laughs> it'll be out when it's out yeah. um but yeah i'm just just enjoying that and i have a couple of different speaking gigs and stuff like that coming up and I'm just uh, yeah, just enjoying it, and like I said, I'm 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 taking a little bit of time to just relax and get the body right, and 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 just actually enjoy my training again because everything's been so kind of fixed and focused and calculated for for x amount of months and, and a year even. Um, so now I'm just going back to to doing what I do and actually enjoying going out for a run, no watch, going out for a cycle with no bike computer, and just getting out there enjoying myself. And uh, I think I need to do a little bit more of that as well. Yeah, I suppose enjoy the sights and dingle is definitely a big part of it. I mean, when That's I see it, your Instagram posts and everything else, I'm just like, oh my God, it just looks like a savage part of the world. 
it's so good now. We probably make it look a bit better. There's days it doesn't, the sun doesn't shine down here for three yeah. or four days at a go sometimes. But uh, no, it's uh, look, it's a beautiful place, and I'm very lucky to be here. I mean, I get asked all the time, like, and, and I probably will end up spending some time in America over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, why don't you move to Dublin or why don't you move to London? I'm just like, are you serious, man? You, like, you see where I live? I ain't, I'm not going anywhere unless I have to, you know? So um, I'm pretty happy here, yeah. Absolutely, man. That's great to hear. Look, Shane, thanks so much for coming on for the chat. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I just can't wait for everyone who listens to the podcast to kind of hear just everything about your journey. Because to be honest, like it, it's just something I've been so fascinated about. One of the funniest things I found was I, I'd be talking away about you in work and saying, like, did you see that fellow who's crossing America and now he's running and biking across? And like, I'm so surprised that not enough people knew about it. I was saying, I, I'd yeah, say yeah, I'd be yeah. plugging you to every second person I could. <laughs> just to be like, I mean, like, we need to take this into consideration what this fella is doing. Like, it's mental. I know, I know. It's yeah, just, man, honestly. So much, yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that. It's unbelievable. Look, Shane, um, where can people find you on social media just before you go anyway? Just, just so people can finally yeah. get into the journey sure. that I've been following for quite some time. Sure, sure. So the, the main one is, is uh, again, I have a love-hate relationship with it, but uh, it, it comes and goes, and I have more of a love, but it's mainly Instagram is my main one, and so it's at Shane Finn. Um, again, Facebook, I don't have a Facebook profile, but I have a Facebook page, and it's, again, that's at Shane Finn. And then uh, my website is, you probably guessed it, um, it's shanefin.com, so all, all fairly simple and all fairly easy and very accessible. Nice and simple and straightforward. That's fantastic. Yep. Shane, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Everyone, Absolutely. go follow Shane, Thanks follow the journey. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye now.